Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello. See, last time you gave me trouble for asking it, that I'm here with Nikki Kinzer, and now I'm trying really hard to, to make a statement about your presence. Really? Yeah. No, I want people <laughs> to know you are here. I am. I'm here. <laughs> I am so excited about our conversation today. We are talking about nutrition and how your diet can impact your ADHD, and we have a great guest to help us out. But before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and get an email with the latest episode each and every week. Of course, you can connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at TakeControlADHD and call us. You can leave us a voicemail at 503-664-4ADD and get your your voice, thoughts, and questions right here on this very show. And particularly today, you know, we've talked about nutrition before. We've talked about the importance of these things around self-care. We want to hear from you. How does your diet impact your ADHD? Our guest today is Tanya Harris. She is on a mission to help parents learn how both diet and common toxins in the home can affect their child's health and lessen the symptoms of behavior and attention issues through simple dietary and lifestyle changes. She's board certified in holistic nutrition and a fantastic all-around educator. She writes about the health implications of common chemicals in our homes and the effects on our children on her website at goneholistic.net. Tanya Harris, welcome to the ADHD podcast. We're so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Hi, Tanya. I would love to learn more about what it is that you do for people. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, sure. Well, what I like to do is I like to I like to take parents through the areas of their home, um, whatever's in their food, and also what's in their cleaning products or beauty care products that might be affecting the health of their children, specifically how it's affecting their brain development. Interesting. So do you actually go into people's homes or is this something that you do online? Um, I have gone into people's homes, but I, I do most of it online. It's amazing what you can do now by Skype. So yes. I actually do a lot that way. That's great. So what inspired you to get involved in this kind of work? Um, I've always been interested in what I've put, you know, on my body or, you know, what I've eaten because I had uh, childhood leukemia um, at the age of seven. And then... Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is a big wow. Yeah, that definitely was a good start. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've always been a little interested, but um, really what got me into the brain function and how it affects brain development was when my kids were diagnosed. 
my son started exhibiting symptoms in second grade. Now, symptoms of ADHD? ADHD, Yeah, sorry, ADHD. Yep. And um, kind of just inattention and kind of, you know, spacing out, as they called it. Uh, So the teacher called me in and said, you know, they're thinking about testing. So I kind of went home thinking there's got to be something I can do. So I was doing a ton of research about, you know, what we were eating or what we were using in our homes that maybe could be, that could lessen his symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I made some small changes. And then within a few months, uh, I went back to meet with the teacher and the team no longer wanted to test him. That's like magic. Wow. So you obviously, you found a, a, a definite connection between nutrition, what you were eating and these ADHD symptoms. Right. Yeah. Just a few, yeah. Just to lessen the symptoms is basically what we saw. So outside of your son, I mean, obviously you have personal experience with it and you've also done a ton of research, um, with the business that you're in now, how important is the role of nutrition and ADHD? Uh, there's varying, it's kind of controversial. Some people say there is, some people say there isn't, but I think it's a huge leap. Um, because really what you do through nutrition is optimize your brain function. So if you keep your cell membranes healthy and you're, you know, you're doing everything you need to keep those neurotransmitters optimal, you're going to have better brain health than rather if you're eating a bunch of bad fats, which actually make your cell membranes so rigid, the nutrients can't get in and the waste can't get out. That's eventually going to cause a lot of problems. So mm-hmm. when you're eating an optimal diet and giving your body what it needs, um, you know, who doesn't want the better brain function? Well, that's really so, it. Right. This isn't about fads. This isn't about, you know, buzz nutritional buzzwords. It's just about smart and healthy eating. Uh, right? I mean, it's not, we, we don't have to get stuck in like the latest hipster nutrition language. No, I don't believe so. And everybody's so individual anyway. Um, I think basically, you know, you know, you'd be healthy fats and there's certain things you should avoid. So really, yeah, not, not doing any of those fad diets. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend that. Mm-hmm. Well, you are actually going to be giving away a fantastic guide that we're going to have in our show notes um, about getting started. Uh, you have a lot of information about different supplements and things to avoid and, and uh, things to look for. And, uh, you know, I, I think it'd be a great place to start to kind of figure out, like, where do people begin this journey of, of living a healthy lifestyle? Um, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give to somebody? Sure. Well, first of all, one of the bigger things that they've found that especially children react to are food sensitivities through food colorings and artificial flavorings. Um, So that's one of the things I would take out first is anything you see that's got like a red number 40 or a yellow number five, I would take those out of the diet right away, as well as I would also take out, um, oh, sorry, (laughs) MSG. MSG is an excitotoxin. Um, That's something that a lot of people just have reactions to anyway. And they've found that that can actually, uh, an author of excitotoxins, The Taste That Kills, he actually says that he believes that ingesting that over time can lead to learning disabilities and neurological problems such as ADHD. Oh, interesting. So specifically MSG, you you don't have ADHD and suddenly you do. With MSG. Right. You start eating MSG. You're actually creating a condition in which you have uh, ADHD. That's what you're saying. Or at least the symptoms. That is bananas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is. Well, and MSG, I mean, the, the, what I, when I hear you say that, I think of Chinese food. Yeah, but right. Chinese food like 25 years ago. 
Things, right. I feel like I feel like the Chinese restaurants have figured it out. Why haven't the, why haven't the well, everybody? I, what is MSG? Like, can you? I mean, I know that's probably a big question, but like, what is it? Like, I don't understand it. Oh, sure. It's actually the um, the number one most used food enhancer or food flavor enhancer in the world that's used, and it's actually it's hidden in a lot of foods. So it's in salad dressings, it's in crackers, cookies, chips. Um, there's so many things it's in. And the thing is, is there's over 40 different ingredients that contain MSG. So if you don't see monosodium glutamate listed on the label, that doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have MSG. It could have something like autolyzed yeast extract, which does contain MSG. So therefore that product does contain it. Even if the product wow. is, is claiming that they don't directly contain MSG. You still have to be careful about it. Right. And that's kind of common on soup cans. Some soups are labeled MSG free. And then on the back, when you turn it over, um, you'll see like autolyzed yeast extract written there, which does contain the MSG. That's crazy. Now on your handout, do you have the other names for that? Is that something that you have available? I do. I have a link to a great table and um, it lists all the ingredients. Yes. Because that's the thing that I think is so frustrating, or at least a little intimidating, is that you want to read labels, right? I mean, I think, well, at least I do. I mean, I want to go to the grocery store and be educated and read these level these labels. And like when you were talking about the food coloring, I, I can spot that because they they make it pretty clear, you know. Um, but yeah, the MSG, even the sugar is really complicated to well, kind of, you know, out. The, I think you're exactly right, Nikki, because it's a, you know, the food coloring is a really easy one because generally the food is going to be a different color. And for me, if it's a different right. color, that's a trigger, but something like MSG is, is really insidious because you can't always tell, like I can't see an enhanced flavor. Right. And if you look for something, even like a natural flavoring, it's also contained in there. So there's lots of ways for them to get around it. So when you're trying to avoid these things, I mean, what would be a good diet? I mean, I, I've heard of like clean eating where you kind of just stick with fruits and vegetables and proteins and stay away from processed foods. I mean, is that what you would say? Like, how do you avoid these things? Sure. Um, well, there's things I would recommend to add to the diet if that helps. Um, definitely okay. clean eating. But one of the main things people don't get enough of is protein. And surprisingly, that has a lot to do with brain health. Um, for one thing, if you don't have enough protein, you don't have enough amino acids to make those neurotransmitters. So the cells in your brain can't communicate like they're supposed to. So that affects memory. Um, so working memory, um, even at, uh, behavior. And then, of course, inattention. Well, and when you're talking about working memory, I'm just thinking executive functions, right? So you probably exactly. have all these things, initial, you know, getting started, following through, um, time, time management, organizing. Pro- all of those things are probably affected. Exactly. And that's, yeah. you know, just to get enough high-quality protein in your diet. And following that, it, also blood sugar dysregulation is a big issue. So blood sugar issues, you know, the brain uses glucose for its number one fuel. So if you have no glucose going in or all of a sudden a big flood that can affect your brain too. And it even affects aggressive behavior. And again, now, memory glucose and attention. is sugar, right? Correct. Yep. So there's got to be a balance then is what you're saying between cutting out sugar, but having, how does that work? Sure. Um, well, one, again, one of the ways is protein. So what's interesting is that, um, putting a protein with a carbohydrate for a snack, such as an apple with peanut butter or almond butter is actually mm-hmm. what I would recommend. Um, it gives you the carbohydrate you need for that sugar, but it also gives you that protein. And what that does is it balances out your blood sugars. It keeps it steady longer. 
And it also fills you up for longer. So you don't get those blood sugar crashes. So are you under the kind of the the philosophy, is it better to kind of have smaller meals throughout the day that have, you know, each meal has a little bit of protein or how, how do you do that within your diet? I do when people have a blood sugar issue, I do recommend having at least a snack every two to three hours. Mm-hmm. And again, combining that carbohydrate with that protein. You know, Pete had mentioned before about kind of fad diets or kind of buzzwords. And I know that in the last, you know, year or so, probably longer than that, because these things have been around forever. It's just like they seem to be out now with more publicity. But the, the GMO, you know, kind of craze that that people are talking about and organic versus non-organic. I'm just curious to know from your standpoint, like, you know, what exactly is a GMO and why do we have to stay away from them? Well, a GMO is a genetically modified organism. So they have done something to that food, such as adding a protein from one one food to another. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, there's so much varying research and that's probably a whole nother topic. Okay. But, you <laughs> I'm know. hoping you have a big can of worms <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> I can sum it up really quick. <laughs> Um, just in the fact that I summarize this this in one minute, please. (laughs) Let's see if we can just end the debate altogether. (laughs) That's right. I'll just use my favorite quote (laughs) that I love from Robin O'Brien, where she says, are we allergic to our food or what's been done to it? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of research that shows that it does affect gut health. And when when we affect our gut health, we do affect our brain health because it's connected. So, um, avoiding those as much as possible is Definitely a good idea, I believe. And mm-hmm. organic, too. There's varying studies on that, but there's been more studies to show that those plants and um, that produce actually has more vitamins and minerals and whatever, you know, they're more optimized for that. So if you're buying organic. Have, yep, they have higher right. yeah. um, vitamin and mineral content. So the more, and also the more that you eat of the organic, you give your body more time to detox and heal. Whereas if you keep taking in the other stuff. Well, and I found too, with my own research that, you know, organic is expensive. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, but there are ways to, to do it on a budget. You know, you, there are, um, things that you want to, to buy organic if you can. And then there's things that are okay if they're conventional, Um, and I think that that helps. And I actually am going to, uh, in the blog this week, I'm going to have a list of, of those things for people to see too, of if you're on a budget, how, um, this can work for you and buying things in season too. Right. I mean, I think that makes a huge difference. Exactly. Yeah. If you do buy things that are seasonal or even locally grown, that'll save money too. That's where I think we're really blessed here in Oregon. And I, I know there are a number of these sort of coastal states that have a rich farm to table, uh, culture, you know, where you can, you really can be sure, you know, go, go to your CSA and, and get your own, you know, get your food, see where it's grown by a local farmer. And, and, uh, I know we've been taking advantage of that for a number of years. It's really changed the dynamic of our table. Um, but I, I sometimes, uh, you know, I, I think about like, what is it, what is it like if you live in a place that doesn't have these options? How much harder is it to plan your meal every week and, and make the kind of decisions that you need to, to make? Um, you know, can you reflect a little bit on that? Absolutely. Because I live in Illinois. So I definitely know. <laughs> um, yeah, but I do. Um, there's a lot of great resources online that I would recommend looking up um, to see what's seasonal and what's local. And, um, you know, you can save money that way. But I also, you can also Google, and I do this quite often. Um, I can't name my neighbor, my favorite website right off the bat, but if you Google what's to cook locally or seasonally with some of the vegetables, mm-hmm. you can pull up a lot of information. That's a great idea. And then that kind of, and they probably have recipes and different things too that kind of expand from that, I would assume. 
Yeah, and the local CSA is also, that's a great idea um, because we do, we do that here also. So then you know you're getting what's in season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It does definitely save over the long run. So I have a question for you about, um, you know, if you're introducing this kind of lifestyle or this healthy eating plan to your family for the first time, um, I, you know, and, and I have a little bit of experience with this myself just in the last couple of years, we really kind of tried to switch some of the things that we're eating, getting away from processed food, eating more, like I was cooking more. So we were eating out less, um, which was a big deal. And, you know, that transition is hard for kids. And uh, I'm just curious if you have any suggestions for parents who, you know, really want to implement these things, but, you know, you've got your son or daughter who's wanting macaroni and cheese, you know, or chicken nuggets. It's like, how do you get them out of that, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, I definitely went through that. Um, my biggest tip is do it slowly. <laughs> so oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of things I see with my clients too is they have an all or nothing, which I completely get. It gets so overwhelming. They're like, "Oh, this is so expensive. I'm done." Or well, and you hit a really key point of a characteristic in ADHD mm-hmm. is you know it is an all. A lot of times people will have an all or nothing mentality. I'm glad you bring that up because yeah, I think that that happens. So you're saying don't give up. Right. Yeah. Because just know that every small change you make is something that you didn't have before and you're doing the best you can. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely, there's so many good brands out on the market right now. So a lot of it just has to do with switching brands. So there's some brands that have macaroni and cheese, but they don't have the artificial colorings in them. So those are a safer bet. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, same thing with the uh, chicken nuggets. I'm not a fan of, so I won't go there, (laughs) but, um, hot dogs. I have a daughter who loves hot dogs and I am very against hot dogs, but I will occasionally indulge and we'll do like an Applegate Farms without the nitrates and the nitrites. Right. So it's a lot of brand switching. But again, if you're going from a pretty much processed diet to more of a whole foods, definitely do it slowly. And, um, you know, just, I would recommend starting out with the top, you know, two or three things that you see in your refrigerator that are the most processed and research brands that they can substitute with. So you're just doing a little at a time. That's a great idea. Well, and we sort of have implemented this 80-20 rule where, you know, 80% of the time we can do a good job, then I feel really good about it. If 20% of the time I look the other way, then I'm okay with that too. I mean, you know, Absolutely. I'm okay uh, with that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially because when you're looking at, you know, when they go to other people's houses, I mean, even family members, not even friends, but you can go to your you know, family member's house and they may not eat exactly the way that you do. And so they've got, you know, children have to somewhat be flexible with that too. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I noticed though, is that when you educate them and you really kind of tell them why you're doing this, like why we're switching from this brand or we're not buying this kind of cracker anymore. It is interesting how they may be kind of resisting it at first, but then it's almost like something clicks for them and they're like, oh, I really don't want to eat that. I, yeah, that does have a lot of ingredients that I don't understand. (laughs) You know, It, it does. Yeah. And I have a story about that with my son. That's not even ADHD related, but one time he grabbed a popsicle that had been outside and I looked at him and I said, you know, that has yellow number five in there, right? Do you remember what we talked about with that? And I said, you know, that's going to make your, that could exacerbate your asthma symptoms. I didn't use that word, Yeah, (laughs) but that can make your symptoms worse. And he looked at it and he got up and he threw the popsicle in the garbage. 
And he's wow. like, yeah, I don't want to have problems later when I'm playing outside. So I was like, wow, there really is something to this. They really do want to feel better. Yeah, that's right. really powerful. Once you're able to make a connection between the stuff you put in your body and the way it poisons you specifically uh, so that you can make those choices, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is we don't often make a connection between the stuff we put in our body and how we feel because it sometimes is uh, you know offset by a few hours or a day. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to, how I'm going to feel when I eat, you know, these chips because I eat them every day. And maybe I, maybe I misattribute this experience to having a cold or the flu or something like that, or, or, you know, just being restless. I I think it's really important to be able to make that specific connection, uh, to how the food interacts with you. And it's a great point because it could be slowly. And I always think about that story about the frog in the boiling water. Oh, that, sure, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what that story is. What's the story with the frog in the boiling water? How do you oh, not know the story with the frog? <laughs> Where have sad. you been? <laughs> Why is a frog in boiling water? That's what the frog says. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just started reading about this, and I think it is such a good comparison. Is you know The story goes that they had two frogs. One they placed in boiling water, and he jumped right out, and he survived. But the other frog they put in a pot of water, and they slowly brought it to boiling, and he boiled Oh, no. (laughs) It's kind of the same thing as we don't know what what these things are doing to us slowly over time. So I think that was a great point. It is. That's a well. It's not a great visual. <laughs> no, Sorry, no, it's not. But that's not. <laughs> no. But I understand. I think it's so the glad point. that you brought that up, Tanya, because I'm usually the one that makes Nikki kind of kind, <laughs> kind like of grossed out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, not awesome for the frog. No. Poor frog. <laughs> uh, now, but there is one thing I want to talk about before we end, and that's supplements, because I, you know, even with the healthiest diet. Uh, And and even if you were to do it 100% of the time, which we know that isn't really possible, Mm -hmm. we're probably still not getting everything that we need with vitamins and minerals. So I'm just curious to know uh, from your standpoint, what what supplements do you suggest that are best for for ADHD specifically, you know, what's going to continue helping them focus and and, uh, function, you know, through the day at optimum level? What do you think? Sure. Um, And one of the reasons that we do recommend supplements is that sometimes not only is our diet a little lacking, as you mentioned, but even the food that's grown is sometimes lacking. It's depleted in nutrients. Mm -hmm. And then they found with ADHD that sometimes there's issues with essential fatty acid metabolism, meaning you need more than the normal person. So you would definitely need to supplement. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so some of those, like, um, you know, especially essential fatty acids, that's so vital for brain health. You want a good multivitamin or multimineral because you want those, they actually are needed to make these neurotransmitters. Now, I just want to be clear when you say fatty acid, that's fish mm-hmm. oil, correct? Or that's one type is fish oil? Yep. And I, okay. I think I have some listed on that handout. Maybe you not. You do. Mm-hmm. I do. Okay, great. Um, yeah, because anything from like pumpkin seeds to flax oil, fish fish oil. And one of the things that you really need is called DHA and EPA. And those you really only get from fish. So unless you're eating fish two to three times a week, I would definitely recommend supplementing with a DHA EPA supplement. 
That was something that, yeah, that was something I I know when I, you know, this was part of my big nutritional transition. We went to the doctor, they ran all my blood work and they came back saying you are catastrophically low in that area. And it's, much of it is because of, again, where we live, there's just not enough Mm -hmm. sun. There's just not, and I wasn't eating enough fish and we're just not getting enough of the, those, of that particular, um, you know, hormone created. And so they put me on a, just a mega dose of fish oil. Uh, now, do you take vitamin that. D too as well? Because I've heard that you take vitamin D with fish oil. Like that's a common combination. Mm-hmm. Oh, Is vitamin that... D3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Would be a good one. And then there's other ones like magnesium. That's one that's consistently found to be low in ADHD. Mm-hmm. And then there's some also that you can kind of take for overall brain health. Um, they're listed on the handout. So because the yeah, spelling is a little hard, but stuff. yeah, well, I know, I don't know how you've done a really good job pronouncing these things. I'll tell you that <laughs> oh, <thank> you. <laughs> I wouldn't even try MSG like, oh, is as far as I go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is fantastic. And the handout is so helpful. So I really encourage people to uh, check out the show notes. We'll have a direct link to download this. Um, and uh, you know, where else can people find you? How can they get information about you, Tanya? Sure. My website is goneholistic.net. And that's probably the best place to find me. My email is Tanya, T-O-N-Y-A, at goneholistic.net. And those are probably the best two places to find me. Well, that is perfect. And we will put all of those in the show notes. We'll put links to the handout in the show notes. We'll put all of your social media goodies in the show notes. It's, our cup runneth over with goodies to share this week. Thank you uh, so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Tanya, for joining us this week. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been a fantastic conversation on behalf of uh, all of us here. Uh, thank you so much for downloading and listening. Don't forget, head over to iTunes. If you're an iTunes listener, we would love your five-star reviews Uh, in the iTunes uh, podcast entry. It certainly helps other people to discover this show. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Tanya Harris, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. 